A podcast on a Monday? Wait, 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 wait. Solo, Josh. Solo, Yanko. Two weeks in a row, and now a Monday? We're making progress, guys. We're making progress. We're coming back to our original form. I want you guys to say hello to Josh. Josh, how you doing? Hello, Mr. Yanko. We it's, are back as a unit. It's it's nice to be off the practice squad and back into the two-man rotation. As a unit. As a unit. As a unit. And can I mention that being a part of a unit went a long way this weekend in the NFL. Yes, Next it did. man up. Next yes, man up it did. mentality. Crazy. Guys, welcome to week, the ending. Well, I guess week eight ends tonight and the beginning of week nine coming up. This is Josh Yanko coming at you in our version of live. Hopefully it's live to you in a way or live-esque when you guys uh, listen to this. And we want to come back by saying what's up hello and we're gonna try to be a little controversial today we're gonna try to we didn't practice we didn't we didn't do anything to prepare because as you guys know and if you guys have listened we've gone solo for the last couple of weeks and when we touch base after the fact in personal conversations phone conversations texting and whatsapp whatever we both hit each other up with what you said was this I can't believe you said that. I can't believe, or I don't agree with you this. I don't agree with you that, which is totally fine. But that's what happens when you go solo. There's the the lack of star con- stark contrasting. And, and that's there what we goes that peanut today. butter again. Hey, I look, if it's here to stay, <laughs> it's original. And I can't, I can't uh, do it, man. God bless your soul, Yinko. I also... I am on a high right now, not necessarily literal high. However, the magical dragon, I took some medication to alleviate a little bit of, I guess, side effects from the booster. So if I go a little whirly whirl on Josh here, guys, it's uh, not necessarily intentional, but would that, would that, so not Yinko, what you're good telling content? me is that every time you do the pod, you are in a booster shot. I'm is that what to, you're telling me? <laughs> I, I guess uh, that's a jab, but I'm going to let it slide because... Uh, hey, man, we got to create controversy. Of, of course. It's been course. a while since you and I have been together in it sync has. to do this pod. Uh, you mentioned it before. I mentioned it before. We do this for fun, guys. We, we don't want any acolytes or anything like that. When we first started this venture, it was really just for fun, just to create content to our close friends and those that are intertwined with their fantasy football leagues and nothing more. And for whatever reason or another, right? Sometimes we discuss this too. Life happens. Responsibilities yeah, happen. We're not going to sometimes have uh, the same schedule, but Mondays tends to work for the both of us from time to time. Uh, but we'll see. And and ready to go, bro. It's it's, and it's it's been at least, it's been at least four to five weeks. Yeah, we can definitely since, look it up. Since you, yeah. We can definitely look it up. And to go along with what you're saying, it's become a hobby, at least for us. It's become a hobby. It's more that that's that's a perfect way to describe it. It's more it's a hobby. It's become a hobby and it's a favorable hobby. I wish I had this much dedication to my health and fitness. 
type of hobby, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, plenty to talk about, plenty to unravel, plenty to just take a deep dive into. And let's be honest, guys, again, without the lack of a different with with the lack of a different opinion, the content isn't very. I guess there's a little bit of apprehension with content. I didn't want to say too much. Josh didn't want to say too little. So I'm happy. He's happy that we're able to mesh up and go. And let's just start off with Thursday night. There is no real itinerary that we're going to go other than what week eight offered to us. And Thursday night was a heck of a game to watch. Now in the WhatsApp group that the FFF has, there was some talk. Unfortunately, even though I preached on the podcast that I was going to watch the game, I didn't. But I have a great exactly. excuse. Exactly, I have a it's great. It's exactly excuse. the point. I, I that caught me. That caught my eye. We just discussed before we went on on air that uh, I told you when we when you and I talked that there was a lot of things that I wanted to refute. Luckily, sometimes I have a lot of things in my head, or not luckily, but unfortunately. Yeah. So I forgot, and that was one of those things. You talk so much about wanting to watch that match and it was going to be a greatest thing ever. And then it dawned on me when we were going back and forth in the chat. Oh, I guess I missed a good game. What? Well, I missed a good game because I got tickets to see the Mavericks and Spurs that night. So I, I made a call. Mavs, go. Maybe you, you, uh, you don't understand because you know, big city living. I'll leave oh. that. <laughs> anyway, Anyway, Green Bay versus Arizona had the makings of a, a complete obliteration or what should have been an offensive shutdown on the Packers side and an offensive explosion on the Cardinals side. Before I, before I go on, it looks like, do you agree or disagree with that? On paper, it did look like this game was going to get ugly. Absolutely. A recap, a brief recap. Half of the Green Bay team wasn't there. Aaron Rodgers was without his mainstay at receivers. Mm-hmm. I believe somebody in the defensive staff wasn't going to be able to coach. A lot of things happened. A lot of things happened for, from there, from there on out. But and all the COVID game itself, related. all yes, all COVID related. But it just goes to show us the NFL. It's very unpredictable. And Fluid. that's part of the reason why, why we might like the sport. Because although the game was played on Thursday, but it's that, that old saying, any given Sunday. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. Green Bay came to play. Look, from the get-go, without your number one receiver, without your number two receiver, without the menis on a short week against an offense that had a reputation not losing the game, carrying the team as of late in Arizona. I never thought of the Packers being a defensive minded, a defensive uh, shutdown to where they were going to do that to the Cardinals. So much I so. you talking about that. Jair Alexander, their top cornerback, wasn't playing either. There you go. So that's another element. There, there so you go. in our little heads, right? We were like D hop. AJ, Ertz, Edmonds, Edmonds Connor. Con- yeah. They're all going to go off. Murray. And of course, Kyler. 
And before no. we jump into the game, I, I want to make this point because I feel like I need to try to give myself some credit for sucking in the FFF for fantasy. And we'll get into fantasy uh, later on in the episode. However, you don't get credit. You get extra credit, Yinko. Extra credit. And it only goes as far as the, the beholders who are listening to the podcast, right? Zing. But anyway, I thought to myself, the last person I saw make receivers out of nobodies was Tom Brady in New England. Mm-hmm. Name me, other than Randy Moss, receivers who didn't go on to have a career that they didn't, that he, Tom Brady being that he bolstered their career, right? Let me give you an example. Would Wes Welker been anyone without Tom? Would Danny Amendola been anyone or Julian Edelman? These were guys that came onto the team and then Tom Brady made them a wide receiver to be known. To dilute my point and apply it to Thursday night, I thought to myself, Aaron can do the same thing because he's such a great passer that he can do work wonders with the wide receivers he'll have at his disposal for Thursday night. Enters Economius St. Brown. All right. So here was my thought. There's no way in heck I'm beating Jair. I'm beating Rocky Kong in fantasy. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to explode, he's going to pass it to someone. So I rolled the dice a little bit because when has the Green Bay ever had a stout running game? Especially against a defensive line that was supposed to be one of the best ones. It probably still is. Everyone has a any given Sunday, right? Or in this case, stinker. like you said, a stinker. And there was no J.J. So, Watt. And there was no J.J. Watt. But even then, Chandler Jones was back. They, they still have a, a oh, defense. They, they still have really good personnel. Exactly. So my reasoning was roll the dice on St. Brown and maybe I'll get something. You know how many and points how many I got points? from St. Brown? 3.90. 3.90. Wow. Hey, it turns out that even if I would have started the guy that I replaced him with, I still would have lost. So uh, no harm, no foul. However, what surprised you from Thursday night? It was more so the way Green Bay won the game. And I mentioned this in our chat in the FFF. And let me expand a little. We always give credit to the quarterback when they win games. Yeah. In this particular case, most of the cases, if Green Bay wins, is because it was from the heroic elite performance of one Aaron Rodgers. And I am in no way, shape, or form discrediting this man as a top three, top five quarterback. However, Aaron Rodgers is to the point where we can no longer create any kind of excuse on why he gets it done and why he doesn't get it done. So I didn't want to hear, oh, well, it's because he's missing Devontae Adams and Lazard and this and that. and No, you're Aaron bleeping. Rodgers, right? Yep. So for the first time, the Green Bay Packers won, not necessarily, well, yes, obviously Aaron Rodgers contributed, right? He's a quarterback. Yeah. But in that last drive, it wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers. It was because the defense stepped up in a weird 
turn of events, AJ Green yeah. throw catch. He was lost. I don't know if you caught that. I, I saw I saw the highlights. I saw Arizona. The I mean, it was a great game. I caught most of the second half. But they were going back and forth. Uh, it was the previous. So when Green Bay was was knocking on the door, it was a horrific, horrific way of how Aaron Rodgers did clock management. And yes, part of it wasn't his fault because a lot of the receivers were a little bit lost. Why? Because they never played. Yeah. So Rodgers was trying to call a no huddle. And, you know, obviously it, it was a little crazy. There was a lot of miscommunication in the field because of that four clock management. So part of it wasn't Rodgers, part of it, perhaps coaching staff, part of it because of the circumstances. Nonetheless, Green Bay goes up top. So now Arizona gets the ball back. Kyler Murray's a little hobbled, but he manages to, to get the team. Remember, they were in their own territory. If I'm not mistaken, they were probably like in their five or nine yard line to start the drive. They had the whole field to go. Okay. So to kind of illustrate it, again, Arizona drives. And right at the cusp, a very heroic performance also by DeAndre Hopkins, which was banged up. He was banged up. He, he came back onto the field in a very big, crucial, you know, third and long play. And maybe because he was hobbled, Kyler went to AJ, and AJ Green was just completely lost on that play. So you, now you're talking about the goal line play. The goal line play. Okay. Okay, so the time advances, uh, Arizona's driving, and they're going to win the game. Or they're, they're at least going to go to overtime, right? Yeah, okay. Because they could kick a field goal, but of course they wanted to win the game. And you could tell Aaron Rodgers' looks was like, oh, wow, here, here we go. Because and Aaron Rodgers in Arizona, they, those two franchises have provided epic, epic yeah. games, playoff games. Uh, the Larry Fitzgerald in overtime, the sack in the end zone, the, the Hail Mary by Aaron. I mean, just epic, continuous showtime football. And Thursday was of no failure. Now, a question I had for you is yes. when you when you saw the them line up, right? Goal line, Kyler Murray, and he goes to AJ Green. Before the evident miscommunication, do you think that Kyler made the right read? Made the uh, the right throw? Is it Kyler's fault, or did he do what he was supposed to do, and AJ didn't? I think it was more along the lines of AJ. Maybe AJ did not expect the ball to come his way. Maybe AJ did not understand the route. Maybe it, it, it just, I it mean, there's nobody to blame here. A big time, whether it be from quarterback, whether it be from receiver. I know given the circumstances with what you had on the field, you had Christian Kirk more than likely, right? Yeah. Who he's been there, but he's a, He's a shorter statute kind of person. Yeah. AJ's longer. Zach Ertz was in the field too, but let's not forget Zach Ertz just got there. So he hasn't been able to establish that rapport. We talked about D hop, how he was hobbled. Rondell Moore. So yeah, Rondell Moore also kind of similar statute to Kirk in a way. Yeah. 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 So I think process of elimination, he probably was like, I'm going to go to AJ because remember in that, in that drive, AJ made a huge conversion in, in third and long. He was wide open in the middle of the field. 
And something I read up so, on later after the fact was that the cornerback that was on AJ had just been brought up from the practice squad or was like Yes. So they were like picking. Yes, so they knew this they, this is where we need to go. Intentional. Exactly. But however, I would like to say, not necessarily giving the quarterback the benefit of the doubt, but I feel that it was a little bit more on AJ because AJ Green never turned around and looked at the ball. He wasn't even no, he looking didn't make at a the play. ball. He blocked. He, he, he was just kind of like, it's oh. It's almost like he was a decoy. or he... And then the ball was thrown, and then when he turns around, he's like, oh, crap, the defender has it, and then by that time, it was game over. And it wasn't an easy interception either. Oh, no, because he, he had to ensure to his two feet had to be inside. And it was a so, one-handed, like, he didn't stop the, like, literally stop it, but stop the momentum, now, juggled, catch, Not overreaction, right? Not overreaction. Uh, we just saw that Arizona is mortal. They have their own flaws, but I think it's more of a bigger win for Green Bay than that of a disappointing loss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think, and that's a great segue into what I was going to bring up as a final take on, on Thursday night's game is it does more for Green Bay and the league to put the rest of the league on notice. I think it also does the loss as a benefit to Arizona. And let me, let me set, let me quickly state why, because now you're starting to work out the kinks. You're starting to work out what you didn't know was an error or a miscommunication, a mistake, ignorance, or just lack thereof on the Arizona part where you go, where did, how, how did we miss this? What happened? What what was the mistake? We correct it. And then usually, I want to use one of your terms, that usually opens a kind of worms inside proactively to go, all right, if this happened here, what else do we need to look at all the way down the organizational chart on the offense, special teams, and defense side of the ball? Because imagine if this is if this doesn't happen. All right, let's go. Arizona 8-0, Green Bay uh, 8-0? Yeah, they haven't had a bye week. 8 and 0 and Green Bay 6 and 2. Okay. That happens now in the playoffs. That happens now further on down the line in a bigger game when you can catch it now and you know what you've got in AJ. You know what you've got in Rondell Moore. Also, you Green Bay comes around and says, "We have a running game that we can lean on." I think it put both NFC teams that are contenders in a position where they were able to stand back and reflect and go, oh, yeah, we got this. Huge, uh, huge playoff implications. And now Green Bay owns a tiebreaker if it comes down to that yeah. uh, against Arizona. Yep. What's going to happen, we do not know. How all this is going to unfold, we do not know. We do know, though, however, the NFC, it's full of, oh. and we might dive into this later, but it's full with teams that are strong contenders to represent that conference in the Super Bowl. The only other thing that comes to me that's similar to what we're seeing and how strong the NFC is to be able to kind of just digest and acclimate what's going on if you watch basketball pre-COVID, when the Warriors were at their heyday and LeBron had just gone to LA 
you had Damian Lillard, you had in Portland. Anyway, the West in general was so much stronger than the East and the NBA. And I think that's what's happening right now in the NFL, where the NFC is just so much stronger than the AFC, which is a great segue into our next game of the game that we now move on to Sunday with Cincinnati and the New York Jets. I mean, what happened? What happened there? Did you get any any highlights? Did you see anything on the the Jets? Bengals game. I was watching that game really closely because I have fantasy stock in the Jets and Michael Carter. And okay. Good pick. I have for Joel, Sunday. I have uh, I have Joel Burrow as well. And just like everybody else thought, I really thought the given the performance that the Jets had given the week before, getting shellacked by the Patriots. Oh yeah. Not necessarily that I expected something similar, but such a high emotional convincing victory by Cincinnati in stomping division foe Baltimore. I envisioned something similar or a quick runaway. Uh, Cincinnati was going to demolish New York, the jets. And everybody seemed to believe that as well, but the jets hung around and I don't know why I thought that Joe Flacco was starting. But it, did it really didn't – they did trade for him, yes. But I, I assumed, okay, Joe Flacco was going to start. Well, they rolled with uh, White, which was drafted by Dallas. A little tidbit for you. Okay. Was drafted by, by Dallas. And, I mean, they cut, they cut him or whatever. But that game was just a perfect, perfect – uh, what we call upset special or a trap, Absolutely. A, a trapper game, right? Cincinnati was coming off a huge victory. They were riding high. They were number one in the AFC. Nobody saw that coming, at least uh, record-wise. The offense was clicking. Uh, the defense uh, asphyxiated that running game against Baltimore. And, man, the Jets just show grits and guts, and they took it to them. They really did. I didn't know who Mike White was. And you just mentioned uh, something that I, I had no idea, right? So this is a guy that comes into the game. And at one point, I think he's a third stringer because you, tell me this. If you go and get Joe Flacco via trade after Zach Wilson goes down, that to me speaks about the QB room as a whole, you're bringing someone in because to a degree, you don't trust who you have or you don't know there isn't enough proven statistical everything for the guys that leadership, you have. Leadership, knowledge. Exactly. Effectiveness, leadership, knowledge, uh, everything that QB needs for any given Sunday. Now, quick tidbit, there was a guy somewhere and they're trying to find him on social media to see who it was but the ticket has is circulating social media who bet 150 bucks or a hundred bucks on that. Mike white would have the most throwing yards in week eight at a 25 to one odd. Okay. So this guy is going to make some substantial cash 
If tonight, it's crazy how everything you can bet, man. Yes, if tonight, everything and anything statistically you can bet. If tonight, Daniel Jones or Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes doesn't go over four hundred and five. So let me. It's a. a I got it wrong. The ticket was a hundred thousand. Sorry, a thousand dollars. He bet a thousand dollars, and the odds are one hundred and twenty-five to one, which means he stands to make one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Yes, $125,000 on Mike White. Who, who knew? I didn't even know this guy was starting. So now the bigger, let, let's actually move on to the game. You have Cincinnati, who starting the week is ranked number one over the whole AFC conference. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan. You've got the defense. They're doing great. The coaching is awesome. They're taking over the AFC North. Who are the Steelers? Ben looks old. The Ravens, they're on a bye, but they just took a loss. What's going on? And the big goose egg they drop in New York speaks volumes about the fluidity and the lack of consistency on the AFC side. Now, okay, I, I agree with everything you said. However, this is what's crazy about the NFL. The, the, these, things, these things don't just happen. Maybe sometimes they do, but they're, these aren't fluky performances. Why do I say this? So the Jets are, are a very young team that is figuring a lot of things out. Uh, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, a yep. lot of young, promising draft uh, draft picks, players that were drafted in this year and previous years or whatnot. But to me, it's no coincidence. You have already beaten two teams that are, quote-unquote, strong contenders in the AFC. You've beaten Tennessee, mm-hmm. and you've beaten Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. For what that's worth... You've beaten that, that's, Baltimore. Baltimore. That's great, great uh, bulletin, you know, board performance. But I'm saying in the case of the Jets, the Jets oh, beat oh, the oh, Titans. Oh, oh. Gotcha. No, no, not the Bengals. Gotcha. The Jets beat the Titans. Yeah, and, and they beat the Bengals. <laughs> so, I mean, that, if, if if you're Robert Sala, you have great material. This is this is a lot of great things to kind of build up. But I feel that now you create even a bigger controversy. Wow. Mr. Zach Wilson. Oh. He's injured. You start this guy white. You saw how the offense responded. They played against a very respectable defense. Yeah, top 10 in the league for sure. And and yet, you you found a way to beat them. Would that have been the same case if Zach Wilson would have started? I don't know. And it speaks it speaks volumes of the guy's mentality too because think about it. You have you've the only game you've won as an organization wasn't with you at the helm. You haven't taken live action in a live NFL game in God knows how long. And not only is someone coming to your house to play, it's the team who just beat the Ravens, the team who has a receiver averaging a ton of yardage. Your defense, your offense, your play calling, you just came, you just got shellacked by the Patriots off a of bye. So it's not like if you're 
That was a terrible loss, man. It was a terrible loss. loss. Coming out of a buying, you get beaten like that? What morale is there to have? So speaks volumes of the quarterback, speaks volumes of the mental fortitude that they had going on. And I think to a degree, Robert Sala needed this for himself. Because you're absolutely right. Is there bulletin board material to have? Absolutely. Now, here's my quick take on, on, on this game. And this is coming from two things that sit with me. And I'll, I'm going to carry this at least through this week. One, the AFC is completely more fluid than the NFC. Two, gives, this gives me hopes as a Raiders fan. Because the Jets just did the Raiders a huge favor. The Patriots yesterday did the Raiders a ginormous favor. And if the Giants can pull one off today, that puts the AFC in a tizzy where a team like the Raiders can climb up. Where the Patriots are now, and we'll get to the Patriots game in a bit, where the Patriots are now in contention when a couple of weeks ago you were going, who? What? This makes Cincinnati, to me, beatable. This makes Cincinnati now weak in their own division because you had a resurging defense that took care of a piss poor offense Steelers against Cleveland. You have the jets that are putting the the league on a, on, on again, telling the league, Hey, we can beat you. You have to worry about us. Now we're not just, we're not the, the pussycats in Jacksonville. To me, it's more about how Cincinnati's weaknesses were exposed and how the Jets are, they're not a pushover. That's my, that's my two cents for that. For that game. Jets came to play, man. That's, that's how I would sum it up. They came to play and they punched Cincinnati in the mouth and the rest is history. You know who punched uh, the Titans in the mouth yesterday immediately with two touchdowns? Michael Pittman. Do you know about that guy? Mr. Michael Pittman. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Mr. Michael Pittman. And another reason why? It's highs and lows, right? Yep. Now, yep. I'm assuming we're going to talk about Titans and Colts. Yeah, exactly. Another reason why I, Josh, have expressed disdain over Carson freaking Wentz. It's, I knew this was coming. What a terrible interception, man. Twice. Terrible interception. Terrible. There's no justification for it. Horrible. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing you can say or do is going to convince me of how I feel about Carson Wentz. I, I can't. Everybody ridiculed. Everybody critiqued Mr. Old Man Philip Rivers, who couldn't throw a ball, who couldn't move from the pocket. Philip Rivers took this same exact team to the playoffs. Yeah. I, it's hard. It's difficult for me to say that for this team that yep. is being led by one Carson Wentz. And mind you, you could say, and it's, it's definitely debatable, that Philip Rivers was an interception machine at one point himself. However, yeah. However, I, the biggest distinction aside from the obvious size, age, blah, 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 experience, is leadership. Because I honestly think that Phillip Rivers could have led that team into a win yesterday. How many times was that game begged, 
begged to take over for the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. But no, they let the Titans hang around. They let them hang around and they hung around some more. And it just came to the end. The Titans said, you know what? Okay. You don't want to win. We'll take it. And now have distanced themselves owning the tiebreaker and have a three game lead halfway point of the season. Yeah. And the Titans are now undefeated in the division too. And you still have yet to play the Texans again and the Jaguars. Absolutely. The only battle Ouch. really in that division is, is between those two teams. Mm-hmm. The way that, that the NFL schedule schedule, 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 schedule. Has, has gone. Now, call me crazy, but I honestly think that there is a comparison to another NFL pro quarterback in the league right now to Carson Wentz. And that's Baker Mayfield. Oh, Baker. Carson is just a taller version of what Baker is doing in Cleveland. And that's just that's a uh, a teaser for when we talk about Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. That's we'll just talk about that right now. A teaser. A little tidbit. There's so okay. much more to talk about in the Indianapolis, Tennessee one, because as of today, breaking news. King Henry has a crack in the crown. Now, we don't know the exact details of what the injury is, but it's serious enough to, as, a, as the story developed today, to know that King Henry, there is a chance he could come back this year, but he already had surgery or is having scheduled surgery on his foot that will put him out six to 10 weeks. Now, you can't tell me that this isn't an effect of a team overworking an individual because he's still human so much and how the Titans depend so much on Derrick Henry. The the bursts, the runs, the physicality, and the offense runs through those attributes that Derrick Henry has. So, Josh, I have to ask you, does this affect the Titans in a way that puts them out maybe in certain power rankings after week eight in playoff contention without them having Derrick Henry for the remainder of what looks like the season. I believe Titans still make playoffs. Because However, of their division? Yes. And they... I, you, you have to believe that they still have a good enough team to, to deliver playoffs. Here's the distinction, though. If you're a Titan fan and your aspiration was Super Bowl, it has taken a severe hit, Derrick Henry not being there. I now, <clears throat> all throughout the news outlets today, it mentioned that his timetable is between six to ten weeks. And it's a, uh, it's basically, I believe, a, a, a bone in his foot that is fractured. So the timetable, depending on the healing, depending on the rehab, a lot of factors at play, you could, you could potentially have him back by playoffs. Because if we essentially count from here till the start of next year. With the extended schedule. With the extended schedule, because remember, it leaks one week over the conclusion of the season 
is walk one week into January when before it was already playoffs. Mm -hmm. And depending on seeding as well, you can potentially have Derrick Henry back in the playoffs. How that will factor in, it will, will he be at 100%? There's a lot of ifs. However, I still envision the Tennessee Titans making the playoffs in some way, shape, or form, whether by winning division, which more than likely, that's where it's headed, or by obtaining one of three wild cards. I can already see Mike Vrabel suiting up. <laughs> this is how this is how desperate it, the Tennessee. They still Titans have are. weapons. They do. And and remember, they just they just signed Adrian Peterson. Okay, so that's where exactly where I was going. Let's talk about what they have now. What weapons they have now? For the last two games, finally AJ Brown has showed up. All right, AJ Brown is their their go to over Julio, who didn't play yesterday. You have injured again. Exactly. So Atlanta looks like they really didn't lose much with Julio departing. You have McNichols, who is their backup running back to Derrick Henry. You don't really see McNichols because you never really see Derrick leave the the field unless the defense is on it. And now you go inside to the practice squad AP, which tells me that at least for one, maybe two weeks, McNichols gets the nod to start. Just enough time for AP to get maybe into somewhat of a football shape, get familiar with the playbook. Now, is it a great signing? Absolutely. Tell me what free agent running back there was out there that doesn't better fit the scheme of what Derek already does. Hard hitting, bull nose, run you over, hit hard, hard runner, running back. Because that's exactly who AP was minus the size that Derek has. But do you trust Josh for Ryan Tannehill to carry the load with AJ Brown with hopefully Julio for them comes back. And then I forget, is it Irv Smith? Who's their tight end? No, he was their tight end. Uh, I forget. Ferg, sir. Thank you. To run the show in the meantime, or does Mike Vrabel pull up his pants and go, we're going to win this with defense. What do you envision happening? This is the time for Ryan Tannehill, not necessarily to step up, but perhaps be that player that he never was in Miami. I think you and I can both agree that Ryan Tannehill's career has been revitalized in Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, this came at the time where Marcus Mariota was a starter. And Mike Vrabel all of a sudden said, you know what, Marcus? He, was, he wasn't playing well. He benched him. And <clears throat> he started uh, Tannehill at the, at the middle of the season. And then the Titans just took off. Yeah. But I think this is a time for Tannehill. Is he that guy? He hasn't shown to be that guy. But maybe now with more weapons around him, a, a system that he believes in, a coaching staff that he believes in, this could be the time for Tannehill to take that next step and and to be that cornerstone of this franchise. No longer be that person. He did make uh, adequate throws. Uh, A.J. Brown's resurgence came when Tannehill was there. And, of course, also last year when they had uh, 
what's his face? Corey Davis. With, what, Corey Davis. And they had John O. Smith. Mm-hmm. And now it's on Tannehill. Luckily for him, at least in division, your way is not going to be all that difficult. It's still a division game. Division games matter any given Sunday. But your road isn't as difficult as it could be in any other situation or in another team. But what better opportunity for Ryan Tannehill to, to show why he got the bag, right? He got paid this offseason. But you're absolutely right, and I hadn't even thought of that, Josh. If he just wins in his division that has the Texans and the Jaguars, you've already beat the Colts. So by virtue of even if they were to tie, you've got that win. If you can just got nine victories in the bag, if you win out your division, you're you're currently sitting at six and two, you're in a great position and there's going to be maybe a lot of hiccups because of the unfolding of Derrick Henry, the injury, what happened, a lot of adjustments. If you go, if you win out your division, you go nine and two and you can squeak out two games here and there. You're sitting at 11 and six. So tell me, so that's making you playoffs. The next, the next three games for the Titans, starting on Sunday night football, this that's week gonna be a good game. Is Titans Rams in LA, mm-hmm. and then they get then they get the Saints at home, which is showing to be not so easy anymore. And we'll dive into the Saints in a bit. And then you've got the Texans, the Patriots, which mm-hmm. again that's not a. Jaguars, Steelers, Niners, Dolphins, Texans. All right. You're going to have some trial by fire immediately with the next two games, I think, with the Rams and Saints. And it kind of sucks because you you want the team, right? You want the team to be 100%. It's kind of what happened to this Sunday night game. Without that, even though it turned out, a cowboy victory, but without Dak Prescott there, you, you know, it kind of, it kind of yeah. eliminates a little pizzazz from the game. And that's going to be the same thing for Sunday night with no Derrick Henry. Yeah. It's, but and, now, and now, te- now teams that you're playing against even defensively scheme different because oh, it's a whole big different thing. They're not going to be scared. Thing. They're going to, they're, they're not going to stack the box how they were doing for Derrick. Yeah. Yeah, and a little bit of me thinks that prior to the trade deadline expiring with the Titans playing the Rams this weekend, does that not put a little bit of the sensibility or how it makes sense that the Rams went out to get Von Miller? Because the next game we're going to talk about is L.A. and Houston. And I'm not sure there's much to talk about other than the, the the scoreboard showed that it was closer than what it was, but... That was a lot of garbage time scores. I don't think that was indicative of the Rams. No, that game was failing. out of hand. Like no. they're just probably praying for defense. And, and by that, um, they were just giving everything underneath. And, and there they, were some, yeah. there were some, uh, some drives in the beginning where they went for it on fourth and didn't convert. And, you know, there could have been more points scored than what there was. So that was, it's not to say that the Texans can't upset anyone, but it wasn't Rams almost lost to Texans. It was, Rams left let off the gas pedal mm-hmm. against Agreed. the Texans. However, while we're on the Rams topic, they go and get Von Miller. 
They bring him in to add to Jalen Ramsey, to add to Aaron Donald, to add to a defense that was already putting up good numbers or lack of numbers, right? Because you don't want there to be high numbers on a defensive side other than like turnovers or fumble recoveries, things of that nature. They go and get Von Miller. Now the world is, whoa, they went and got Vaughn. Now they're going to, am I the only one? Am I on a, on a Yanko Island to think that this isn't really much of a big signing? This, this really isn't much of a, of Yanko, a I it, think that this might be that the booster shot talking right now, uh, <laughs> perhaps I can see where you're coming from. Because the Vaughn that you and I knew that terrorized the Raiders, the 2015 and that had Vaughn. that great, illustrious Super Bowl 50 run, is not the same. However, think of what it does to your morale and to perhaps you wanting to play now. That attitude is super contagious. Yep. You're going from the donkeys to the ramps. You're not the man anymore. No. You're just another dude of a dude that is very talented of what they're going to ask him to do, which is what go get after the quarterback. Don't worry about offense. We got offense. We're not going to play behind. We're going to be in most of these games. We're either going to be in the game or we're going to be ahead by a lot. So all you got to do is just pin your ears back and go get the quarterback and be a, comp a complimentary piece to Aaron Donald and to, I believe, Floyd. Yeah. yeah. That's like, it. Can you he, imagine? Von Miller's going to lick his chops. Now, Von Miller. going to lick his chops. You're, you, read me, you read me like a book. You're absolutely right. I look at Von Miller from Denver up until today, and I said, yes, where did, where he's did he trash. Go? He, you know how long he's been in the league already? He's been a long time. He got drafted in 2011. All right. He, played he was with, a number two overall pick, no? He played with Johnny. Yes, number two overall pick. That's how long ago he came into the league and took the lead by storm. Endorsement deals, MVP, defensive player of the year, uh, Super Bowl winner, helped, was part of the defense that got Peyton another Super Bowl I mean, the accolades are definitely stacked with this Dallas native. However, when you transition to another team, the first thing that came to mind, aside from the knee-jerk reaction that the world was having of, oh, look at Von Miller. He's with the Rams defense now. Look at the Rams defense. Halloween is over, but they're the scariest defense. You're you're putting in a guy who is, I think, towards the end of his career. Is that easy to say? I don't think he gets the bag anymore. Maybe he gets league middle, league minimum veteran contracts, bounces around. And as I, as I continue to talk, there's, a, there's an example that comes in my head that maybe I can best acclimate to. And that was Jared Allen leaving Minnesota to join the Bears. He had a resurgence of sorts, right? Jared Allen and... and, and Chicago, the defense catered to his strengths. In this case, you're up, You're right. Aaron Donald's going to still get most of the attention, which opens up gaps 
which opens up less double teams that he was probably getting still in Denver. I just think there's a lot more being carried because of the name and not much of what the full skill set that he has. I think there's a lot of, of that being lost in translation. Now, do I want to play the Rams as a Raiders fan? Heck no. I'll let the NFC worry about that. But I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's that much of a, of a signing. Do you think it, 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 what, do you think I it think, betters them overall? I think you severely have bumped your head. And I think the, I love, I love the Rams approach. I love it. They're aggressive. They're in win now. They know that they're in a very heavily saturated, overpopulated market, and they want to stay relevant. In a market where you have the Lakers, you have the Clippers. For the fans who are into soccer, you have soccer. You have the waves. You have the mountains. You have Hollywood. You have movies. You have all the possible distractions in the world. And the NFL in most cities is the biggest attraction, the biggest show. However, and you still have the Chargers, which they don't have fans, but that's okay. Raiders. <laughs> it just goes to show you the Rams are in win now. They have been ever since, um, what's his face? McVay uh, got there. They've just had this bravada, they, this, this uh, head space where, you know what? We're going to build something and we're going to win now. Who cares about the future? Who cares about stockpiling draft picks? Who cares about first-round picks? If they're very hit and miss, we're going to go get veterans who want to win. We're going to buy into what we want to do, and we're going to win now. And that's, man, that's a great opportunity for a player who might be in the twilight of his, of his uh, career, however, still wants to win and perhaps wants to get another chip before it's all said and done. Now, imagine is kind of what I explained to you already. If you're just asking Vaughn at this particular juncture to say, dude, we got Donald. We got Ramsey in the backfield. We have great linebackers. We have Floyd on one end. We want you to be in the other end and just go, go get the quarterback. And maybe not in the now, but come playoff time, we're, we're going to ask you to step it up a notch. Man. No, and I, I agree with you because let's say, for example, Floyd, you have fresh legs coming in and those legs belong to Vaughn Miller. But I, I'm you don't gonna, think Vaughn is going to put like more, you know, oh, more, more juice into I, it? I agree. But I think a lot, I know a lot of my opinion is also centered and it's, it's evidence that on this podcast, I'm, I've proven to be a lot more of an analytical guy. But you're, you're absolutely right. You're in the win now. But as I look at the future for the Rams, does eventually putting so much stockpile in what they're doing now come back to bite them in the future? Let me give you some numbers. The updated 2022 draft picks for the Rams now look as follows. Round one, you traded to the Lions. Round two, you traded to the Broncos. Round three, you traded to the Broncos. Compensatory pick for the Lions the, of the hiring of Brad Holmes as a general manager. There's a lot to unravel there, but basically they don't have it. Round four, you traded to the Texans. Round five, you still have it. Round six, you traded to the Patriots. And round seven, you own it, 
but the Dolphins, in some kind of which way, compensatory-wise, may take that away from you. Now, we're talking about one year. And if it's just one year, I can, I'm cool with that. But some of their deals, without knowing too much, and maybe this is where an L.A. Lambs or a healthy dynamic come in and defer, they go, we're doing so much, but we're only losing draft picks for the next two, three years. Is there and not enough to say that you give up a lot to determine the now? You're giving up your future for something that you're trying to do now? It's very Patrick-esque. But the Patriots, indifferent from the Rams, have Bill Belichick. And I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but there's so much to unravel between that mindset. I, I think you're, you're <clears throat> this is where I'm going to defer from your point of view. To me, it's worth it doing all that if it's going to get you back into the Super Bowl. The, the future draft picks are overrated to a certain degree. What's, what's the hit rate that a first-round pick is a cornerstone to your franchise? I, I know it's low. So then if I'm going to trade that to already get players that are stars at their position, in the case of Jalen Ramsey, in the case of Matthew Stafford, tell me what franchise, and, and, and this is not an indictment on the Rams, this is just like a complete way, new way of seeing things as a general manager and that of a head coach. What franchise gets a number one overall pick, takes that player because of coaching staff too, to a Super Bowl, and then two years later flips it for a veteran quarterback and two first-round picks? They gave up that to go get Stafford. A franchise that is giving up not only their draft future, but their financial future. All of these guys are going to want to get paid. Not necessarily, because if I were to tell you, did you did, just, just a glimpse, an example. Did, did you unravel the Von Miller contract? No, I didn't. Did I, you, I did didn't you decipher back. that? Let's Thing see of beauty. Left. Thing of beauty. You know who's going to pay Von Miller the remaining nine and a half mil that he has left in this season? John Elway, the Broncos. You know what the Rams are going to pay him? I don't. Zero. So he's playing for free this year? The Rams are giving. They just gave their two and their three for next year. Of course, there's going to be some kind of incentives, I'm sure. There's certainly statutes of contracts, certain things that are arrived. But it just goes to show you how Les Snead, as a general manager, is playing chess. While the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints, who are in cap hell, are playing checkers. So the Rams, I just looked this up, and this is according to, and I'm, I'm putting all of my trust in sporttrack.com. The Rams, the base salary that they'll have for Vaughn is $722,000. Chump change for an NFL franchise. $712,000. Wow. As of, because you know what happens with Vaughn next year? He's he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Exactly. Now, I didn't know the details of this financial stuff here because if you told me 
three quarters of a million for Vaughn. You're still paying. Just look at it. Look You're at renting it. him. If this doesn't hit you in the face, Yanko, I don't know what hit. You have Matthew Stafford, who you're paying a lot. You have Jalen Ramsey, who you're paying a lot. You have Aaron Donald, which you're paying a lot. And you still are playing Jared Goff. And yet, you're still under a salary cap. My stock and what I just said maybe dropped two points on uh, <laughs> Yanko's Wall Street. Okay. <laughs> Based That's on your- a negative, sir. I just stomped on the way you were thinking. It just kind of goes to show you, like, the little details and the nuances. That's why I'm a believer. I'm a believer, right, in the Rams, what they're doing. It's not to critique San Francisco because San Francisco has drafted very well. Mm. But tell me, it's still early in the season. Has San Francisco recovered since they lost the Super Bowl? No. No, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit, too. They haven't. Would you say the Rams have recovered since they lost the Super Bowl against the Patriots? They are far more resilient. Why? Added Coaching staff. matters. Staff matters. But a general manager who can do these things and say, you know what, dude? Screw resetting. We're in win now. We, it's quick, quick thinking. You know what? We dropped the ball in resigning this guy. But look, this is where we're headed now. And this is where we're going to get you. And you know what? Let's go again, so-and-so. And, and now let's, let's go here and win now, bro. That's huge. Of course, not everybody can do it. Not everybody can perform that way. But would you say this is a, a, a res- not necessarily a response, but a result of the Rams being so lackluster for so long? They didn't have the big agent signings. They didn't have, they were mediocre in the NFC West. They didn't have to do as much as big teams that now have higher cap space taken. I want to say, salary. you know what? I, I think, you know what it was too? The fact of when Kroenke bought the team. I think the owner has a lot to do with that too. I mean, if he's it, not it, paying his taxes as it stands, if the, <laughs> if he has the money owner, for sure. If the owner is all in and the owner genuinely cares about winning, guess what? He's going he's gonna to surround himself w- or with the team with that same mindset and resiliency and just step away and say, you know what, dude? I hired you because I want to be a Super Bowl winner or contender. Make it happen. And, and unlike, a lot of owners are not like that. Unlike that owner and that franchise in L.A., you have Cleveland who has a, a little bit of a conundrum, a Cleveland conundrum, because now you have – Transitioning to the Steelers Browns game. Now you Cleveland have Rocks. Baker, who is supposed to and want to get paid as a cornerstone quarterback face of the franchise person, going against a Steelers defense who, if I can't, if, if you don't agree with this, then you're, you're dead in the head. That the TJ, sorry, I was tuning TJ? in the Monday night game. That's cool. The TJ Watt signing and paying him is not paying already paying dividends because I think he was about 96% of that game yesterday in success to keeping the Browns to a loss. Look, the Steelers, and we've talked about this on this podcast, are one of those franchises that continue to win. Mike Tomlin has figured out how to win. 
regardless of what the circumstances are. Let me give you what the circumstances are. You've got an old quarterback, and it's not Tom Brady. You've lost Juju for whatever it's worth. It's still one of your starting receivers. You have a rookie running back who has been hot cold. You have a defense that was a little cold to start with. I mean, you lost at home to the Raiders. And now you're in a division that prior to this week, it looked like the Bengals were someone to contend with. It looked like the Ravens, even though they lost to the Bengals, were someone to contend with. And that as of late, that the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had just who have now won three in a wo- three in a row. In a woe. In a woe. It is a woe. Three in a row <laughs> are starting to prove that they're also in contention in a division that was supposed to be my myself included, handled whole heartedly handedly by the Browns who had this defense that was supposed to keep Baker Mayfield and company in the game. Where's OBJ? Where's Landry? Where's Njoku? Where's, I mean, obviously Chubb has been injured and Kareem's injured, but you have Ernest Johnson who went off on the Broncos. Oh my gosh, we should start him, play him. He's going to be a good villain for Kareem Hunt. Let me ask you this question. And it's simple. Yes or no would suffice without providing a PowerPoint presentation. I provided is Baker, is Baker Mayfield a franchise quarterback? No. no. There's your answer. No. And you know what, man? If you guys listen to Colin, he has, oh. this, he has this disdain oh. for, for Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. He does. I, I would, I right? would, um, I would tell you, uh, Baker is a serviceable quarterback. He is. But in a division where you're now, you're going to face Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow? Yeah, bro. And Baker Mayfield's not that dude. And that's the crazy part. That Baker Mayfield, they surrounded him with every they went to go get an offensive minded head coach and Steven Steven was Steven, Steven Stefanski. Yeah. They they already had Jarvis. They already had Onjoku. They drafted Chubb. They went to go get Kareem Hunt. They went to go get Odell Beckham Jr. They went to go get Austin Hooper. They retooled the offensive yeah. line. It's a top five offensive line. So Calm tell me down. What what seems to be the issue now? They're losing. The they're losing because of Baker Mayfield. Now, that Odell Beckham trade, it was maybe one of those uh, premature, overly, ex- you know, the, the NFL is not like the NBA. It's very different, right? The NBA is all about star-driven. You get a bunch of stars, and you figure it out, and you make it work, right? Yeah. Look at the Lakers. We're not going to go into that, but look at the Lakers. Russell Westbrook, dribble, 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 dribble. LeBron James, LeBron James is the same thing that Russell Westbrook does, but LeBron James does it a lot better. So why get Russell Westbrook? But still they're figuring it out, right? The NFL is nothing like that. No. no. Just because you go get superstar quarter, uh, receiver for your quarterback, there's a lot of variables that go into it. And so far that experiment has not worked. It has not worked. Not only that, Josh. But you take into consideration what you just said. 
you're surrounding a player that either you're setting them up for failure, which in turn is your franchise for failure, or you're setting them up for success. At some point, someone in the front office said, we believe in Baker. Bring these guys in. And to a degree, it's a lesser version of what the Rams did to try to bring as many as they can bring in. Because if you remember, their GM was the Chiefs guy. So they bring him in. They bring in Baker. This is a guy that they, Baker is a guy that the franchise drafted. When there was but, other and he was number one overall. Class. Yes. He was number one overall. Now, th- this is not Baker's fault, right? No, he's got his bag. Clearly, clearly this well, is not Baker's fault. Yet, but... how, how is it his fault that he was drafted number one overall, right? However, in a draft where Lamar Jackson was there, mm. where Josh Allen was there. Oh, uh, who else? Who else was taken? There was another quarterback. And I just can't remember who it was. Regardless, man. Either way. Just those two. Either way. It just goes to show you. And it proves my point once again, Yanko, about draft picks. Drafting first, I mean, like first round picks are like too. so overrated when you put all your stock in. Oh, we're going to tank. Yes, I understand. You're going to get pieces. That's more than likely what the Texans are going to do. Right? We, we get that. There's teams, there's Miami, there's Carolina who are willing to forfeit three first-round picks, four first-round picks for a quarterback that they know, in the case of Deshaun Watson, is a superstar quarterback, but there's a lot of scrutiny and uncertainty, yet they're willing to mortgage the future because they know that Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson is that guy. To me, Baker Mayfield is not that guy. Baker Mayfield, to me, you know what he is? Kirk Cousins 2.0. Oh. <laughs> I, you know what's common denominator? Random. Steven Stefanski coached Kirk. Now he gets ma- Baker. And uh, that sucks, man. That, that's hard to that's a hard pill to swallow. Other quarterbacks that were drafted with Baker Mayfield. And this this is just a list. It doesn't eval- further push the point, but it's just factual. Sam Darnold, which is and Darnold. Josh Allen, Josh mm-hmm. Rosen, Lamar Josh Jackson. Rosen. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. And those were the first rounders. Right. It, it doesn't matter who was drafted after that. It's just to, the, the guys you could have gotten in the first round. Man, it's, it's unfortunate for Cleveland because of the history that that franchise has gone through, especially the fan base, especially with all the hype. I mean, are you throwing away Miles Garrett years of his prime? And that guy's a beast, man. Oh, my gosh. If he doesn't get tested tomorrow again for peds, he's a beast. That dude is insane. Real quick, I think something that's you, that a lot of people are sleeping on, and this is maybe a good or a bad take, do you remember who the Steelers drafted this year at quarterback? The dude from Florida? Yes. So I think his name is Kyle Trask. Ben, Ben Roethlisberger-esque. Don't be surprised if he comes out next year or starts showing up because you still have Mason Rudolph and you still have, I think, Dwayne Haskins or not Dwayne. Is it Dwayne Haskins? Dwayne Haskins with Pittsburgh. Exactly. To take the helm. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a way of plugging people in at QB. I don't know if you heard. I don't know. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole 
Uh, but the Pat McAfee uh, show, uh, Colin Cowherd show, they're connecting the dots. But this could be a tidbit perhaps for a incon- inconcilable marriage, a marriage that is in disarray that you know they're not going to get back together. Although right now it's it's all savvy. There might be a potential flirtation for next year. A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, headed to Pittsburgh. I need to hear that. And would that not change the AFC landscape Absolutely, as a whole? bro. The Roonies aren't dumb. But that's if besides they, the point. If they want to go get John Wick out of Green Bay, then <laughs> I by all means. <laughs> See what I did I there? saw that. Yeah, yeah. that was so, good. Uh, and to button it up, the Pittsburgh Steelers are showing that they are as consistent as the sun is. They're a model with, franchise. They're a model franchise and that's sitting at four and four with three straight wins. Watch out as they start to knock off the rust and perfect what they have. Chase Claypool and company with Pat Ferrimuth at tight end rookie. And then all the other guys like uh, Johnson and Washington Deontay Johnson are going to make a, a, a splash. I don't think there's much to talk about Philadelphia versus Detroit other than Detroit loses again. Uh, Philadelphia needed this game after getting shellacked by Las Vegas last week. And let me just say, man, that, that was a, that was a bad, that was a bad game for Detroit. Detroit had been playing hard, but in no way, shape or form do I think that Philadelphia is that much better than Detroit. No. So it just kind of goes to show you when, uh, to me, when stuff like this happens, that means the team is quitting on the head coach. It's his first year, right? It's his first year. And not only that, but I would have to say that this will be the first time ever. Potentially, we're halfway there. But potentially, a franchise, the same franchise, go winless yet again. That, that's, that's Ouch, hard. bro. That's hard. I actually picked the Lions to beat the I Eagles. picked the Lions, too. But anyway, San Francisco versus Chicago. And two fan bases that are close to the FFF meeting in Chi-Town for a game that was maybe a com- coming out party of sorts for Justin Fields. Maybe a, a, uh, a game that the Niners desperately needed for Jimmy to put out the numbers that he did statistically. They had Debo lost four Samuel. in a row, man. Yeah, that's, that's not something that... They started 2-0 and in the season and they dropped four in a row till they beat Chicago. And... Let me say this. This further elaborates and solidifies the opinion that I said last week on this pod, which was the <laughs> that oh, it's because the, the Chiefs the Chiefs game has just started and I saw the fans doing this. So oh, the, I just wanted the to throw you, chop. Throw you off. Yes. <laughs> that Shanahan is very dependent on Jimmy. Without Jimmy, it's so crazy, man. How how they're how they're pretty much they're a symbiote. Symbiotic. See what I just you see what I just did there. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm still Jimmy trying G to process that word. And Shanahan are intertwined with each other because look at look at Shanahan's yeah. record without Jimmy G. Atrocious. Mm-hmm. And. Whether it be play calls, I've I've heard I've I've heard this uh, take or story from 49er fans. Uh, many of them saying that it's play calls that are pretty. It's the play calling from from the coaching that is pretty limited. However, 
it was a much needed victory for San Francisco to stay relevant. They're going to be in the, in the cusp of things because they have Arizona next, but it's a wait and see approach, right? So Jimmy G as a starter in San Francisco is 24 and eight. Mm-hmm. Without them, you get some, a lot of these real bad losses that the Niners shouldn't have. Look, I'm not saying that Shanahan isn't a good coach because he is. He, he's an offensive mind. However, to me, and this is just my take, to me, a good coach, a resilient coach that knows what he has and maybe gets lack of credit in other franchises works and wins with what he has. The highest, the highest of high in the coaching hierarchy is Bill Belichick. Look at what he's doing with Mac Jones. A first-year guy. Well, do you one better? Not that he's better than Belichick, given the right. circumstances. Sean Payton. Yes, look at what he did with Trevor. Trevor Simeon, and- bro. My if gosh. I were to tell you, Trevor Simeon, statistically, not, I'm me not saying it, statistically, outperformed the GOAT. Mm. What would you have told me? That Did you get the booster? Exactly. Well, no. <laughs> those are <laughs> those, the stats, bro. Those are, that's, that's statistical. And look, man, if that were the case, if Jimmy G and Shanahan were tied at the hip and they depended so much, Jimmy G isn't old. Why do you go get Trey? Why do you trade up to get Trey? When do you make that transition? Are you thinking that you're going to have Brett Favre, the equivalent of Jimmy G in your head with Aaron Rodgers, the equivalent of Trey and have Trey sit for that long and then you bring him in? Because that's the only thing that I can try to affiliate to his thought process. Now. In a division, Yanko, where you have the oh. hyper-aggressive Rams and Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. where you have the Kyler Murray and mm-hmm. the 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 hell's is the head coach name? Cliff, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury, the Murray Cliffs Kingsbury uh, experiment working. In 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 where you have still Russell Wilson, who's who we don't know what's going to happen after this year, but is going to come back for the season. Mm-hmm. Wh- where, wh- how? Wh- what are you doing? What are you going to do? And what are you going to do? This is exactly, and I, and I didn't communicate it right, but what I was trying to say last week, look, the, the Lynch-Shanahan era has been, it's great when it's good. But, when but it's, it's not bad work, when it's bad. Exactly. And I don't mean to sound redundant, but there's no middle ground to me. There's no, no. like, okay, they're still good. No, it's either you're really and good. Yes, injuries. Injuries are part of football. And I know San Francisco has been ravished with injuries these last two years. But not maybe to that degree. But unfortunately, injuries are a part of football. They are. Yeah. Now, Shanahan, th- this is the bad thing about Shanahan. Although it wasn't all his fault. But look, let's address the elephant in the room. I know Jimmy, I know Jimmy missed some shots in that Super Bowl. But in the fourth quarter, you had the Chiefs on the ropes 20 to 10. Mm-hmm. And then you had what was it, 21 unanswered by the Chiefs? And they beat you. Mm-hmm. In the Super Bowl, when you were the OC, and again, you were the OC, so you were maybe perhaps limited 
to the, the, the input, right, that you had. But you were the OC, you know, when Matt Ryan had that MVP year. And a lot of it was because of Shanahan. Yeah. 28 to 3, bro, in the third quarter. And you end up losing that game to the Patriots eventually in overtime. The, the Shanahan start to fall into the area where you're a great coordinator. Maybe you're not a great head coach. Well, not even a great coordinator by that estimation. But he's made his name. He has. By being but, a coordinator. But we go back to the same thing, right? I mean, I know Jimmy has been banged up with injuries, and I get it. I understand why you, you needed to have – maybe they struck out. Because remember, they were kind of flirting with getting Tom Brady, and then they didn't. And they were kind of flirting with getting Matthew Stafford, but then the Rams beat him to the punch. They were flirting. So, they were trying to get Aaron. For all we know, they were perhaps trying to be, you know, uh, upgrade – the quarterback situation. Maybe Deshaun Watson was also in the sweepstakes, but then yeah. everything happened and then they pulled out. And then that's when they decided to draft this guy. But oh man, it, it's kind of hard, just, man. There's just a lot of give go with the it's, Niners. It's kind of hard. And then not only that, but now you're squandering all those draft picks that you hit. Yeah. Guess what? They're coming up and now you're going to have to pay them. And now it's going to be that much difficult. And now Trey Lance has to work. Because yeah. then what are you going to do? Draft another quarterback? I don't think Trey Lance is, is as expendable as Josh Rosen was in Arizona. That's too much stock, man. That's too much. That's too much. But and if, but if that does happen, Lynch or Shanahan has to go. Real quick, before we tie up the Niners-Bears, I think Justin Fields needed this game, even though it was a loss. He did that without his play caller, Nagy, on the sideline. And... Let me send now, my condolences. Is that an indictment? That's true. On Nagy That's as true. a play caller? Or because yeah. look at how horrible that would have been for the Bears organization if the Bears were to have win that game without Nagy being there. I think even this loss gives you at least insight that the potential for that subject is very valid. It's going to be revisited. It's going to be go revisited. ahead with your. Condolences out to uh, to Princesita, who made the long trek from the nine one five trek from the nine one five passing through DFW up to Chai Town, and sitting up there with the angels. At is it Soldier Field still? Soldier Field. Witnessing, I'm not sure what's worse, witnessing a a a hard loss. Or a close loss. But on the other side, we just bashed to a degree on the Niners. Kudos to COVID-49 and kudos to Los Chicharitos for having another year of bragging rights over the Bears fans. Because now you guys have something that Josh and Yenko don't. And that's bragging over the Bears. So uh, keep that close to your chest. Uh, he went to a game and that's always awesome uh, for itself. And and for the Niners fans in the in the league in the FFF, with Derrick Henry going down, your chances of winning that Titans game now gets a little better. It gets a little better. Let's move on to the next one, and we'll we'll run through these as some of these don't have as big a headlines as the the first games that we talked about: Carolina versus Atlanta. Other than the bloody towel that that uh, Matt Ryan had on his waistband, 
you had a, a division game that was almost as close as the Jaguars and Texans. I mean, that was that was just horrible and painful to watch. Miami versus Buffalo. It was a game for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. uh, Jair, who started Josh Allen, had a fantasy points explosion. Oh Are you watching the game, Yanko? No. What just happened? Okay. So Patrick Mahomes did yet again another Patrick Mahomes play where he gets cute. He kind of rolls out. He's looking for that open receiver. Ball gets deflected. They're in the red zone. It gets intercepted. And the Chiefs come away with zero, zero. and a big old pick, bro. So that's now 16 games straight. No, 17 games straight with a pick. That is, that is correct, that is, sir. That is great to hear. That's that's great news. Yes. I just tuned in. That's good news. That's great news. Anywho, with the Buffalo-Miami, that went as much as... Oh, it hit the guy in the head. It hit McKinnon in the head. Yeah. That uh, Buffalo-Miami game went as far as it needed to go. Buffalo wins. They needed that win after losing to a close one in Tennessee. They're going to win that division. I don't think the Patriots, although they're going to be competitive, I don't think they topple... I don't think Buffalo's too much, man. Buffalo's too much for a rookie and quarterback. You don't you know, bro. You and I can defer, but I'm going to put my money on the backs of those bills. New England and the Chargers. Josh, I, I don't... The, how, how can I project so much joy when I have so much disdain for a franchise at New England, but came back, turned around, and not only beat the Chargers and Justin Herbert, but they beat them after they had two weeks to plan for them, after a bye, after they shut down my ever-so-put-on-a-pedestal wide receiver, Mike Williams, after Austin Eckler, the pound-for-pound running back that they have in L.A., had a great game fantasy-wise. But Justin and company just couldn't get it done. Did you see anything or do you have any tidbits or any points other than what I just said about New England and the charges? Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is a genius. And that's and why he's the goat head coach. Is Judah not one of the best signings offseason? He sacked Justin a couple of times. Their secondary is starting to become one of the uh, one of the more stronger secondaries in football. And if you couple, and we've seen this done, if you couple a good defense with an average, with a quarterback in New England, that it looks like he's starting to understand the playbook. He's making Nelson Aguilar. He's making, what's the other receiver? Uh, Kendrick Bourne and Nikhil Harris. Look great. Um, Even Hunter Hunter Henry Henry was mentioned last yesterday. But they're figuring it out, man. They're figuring they, it out. The, and Patriots, the Patriots play great defense and they're not going to put Mac Jones in a predicament. All the games the Patriots have been in, they almost beat Tom Brady and the, and the Bucks. Uh, they almost beat the Cowboys and they lost by a fumble versus Miami in the opener. Yeah. So these Patriots are no joke, man. That's For what no- I envision when we made the picks at the beginning of the season. The Patriots reloaded. And now they're just figuring it out all together. But when you have the GOAT head coach. These things happen. These things things happen. happen And New England is notorious. Oh, my God, bro. Daniel Jones just, what a moron. 
you're a little bit ahead of me. I'm watching it on uh, on a streaming service. Anywho, so let's move on. Jacksonville, Seattle. Not much to say other than Gino did what he's supposed to do, and that's feed his playmakers. Lock it, Indeed. DK. Oh, I just that was a heck of a catch by DK, man. Oh, I don't know if he caught that red zone. A he's a monster, bro. He got what mossed. A, what a stud. He mossed his defender. And let me say, yeah, I'm good. I got to throw a little bit of shade towards uh, Bear Force One. I don't know who you think you are, but just because my record in the FFF indicates that I'm not doing great, it doesn't mean that I don't know football. What did he you, offer you? If you think that you're going to give me Calvin Ridley straight up for Tyler Lockett. <laughs> he tried to sneak on pass to you. You're insane. You're kind of like, what? Calvin Ridley? Really? Why would I want Calvin Ridley? Even if I didn't know what was going on, that he was going to go inactive for mental health issues. Right. Hey, bro, maybe you could have swung that by the 52ers or you could have forced Los Osos into something. But you got another thing coming, man. Anyway, you got another thing coming. Boom. Yeah, a bear's loss. That's what happens. Yes. The Washington and Denver game was a very low scoring affair. I thought that Washington was maybe going to have something to say because their defense was, is, and was not is, was supposed to be good. But a loss in Denver in a very low scoring affair. I think the bigger story here isn't that Denver won which sucks, but that again, Tyler or Ty- Taylor, Tyler, hi, Nikki needs to go. Bye-bye. You need a quarterback, man. They need we, a quarterback. we had said that we had said that since the beginning of the season, they, uh, I mean, they, they, they put in their chips at least this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that clearly injury happened. And Washington football is Washington. I mean, hopefully they draft one next year where they perhaps can sway uh, a free agent coming to Washington. But it kind of sucks when you don't have a team name. Yeah. And in the words of Stephen A. Smith, when your quarterback is a muffler shop. <laughs> yeah, not good, bro. Hey, what about this? What about this? Go get Baker. Change the scenery perhaps would help. Change yeah. the scenery. We know that, that defense is beast, though, man. Chase Young is a monster. That whole defensive line, and they're that window, monsters. That window, you're losing. They're you're losing monsters. a window with your defense. And I think it's time for Riverboat Rivera to roll the dice with someone else. Yeah, roll, roll with a quarterback. And the Chiefs just scored a touchdown to Tyreek. Tampa Bay versus New Orleans, <laughs> where we talked about this a couple, a couple minutes ago, or more than like just a couple of minutes ago. You had, if you, how do I even start? I didn't even know Trevor Simeon was still in the league. Okay. Much less that Trevor Simeon was going to go down the field, have the Saints marching in to score. You see what I did there? To score. When the Saints come marching in. Yes. And beat the Buccaneers. Now. If let, let's remove Tom Brady from the equation, you and I both know that there are certain division rivals that regardless of who's quarterbacking the team and who's on the roster, you always play hard against them. You have their right. number. You have their number. 
The Raiders, as of late, do that with the Chiefs. The Giants, as historically, do that with the Cowboys. And the Buccaneers, as of late, suffered of the hands of the Saints. Now, you said it. Coaching, I think, here came a long way. Because you, you had Jameis held down to a very, very low turnover ratio. Small, small dinks and dunks, keeping those turnovers down. Where, remember... Jameis in Tampa had 30 interceptions at one point, all right? 30 for 30. I think, it, and no pun intended with ESPN, 30 touchdowns to 30 interceptions. You had that. You had Taysom Hill still not out of concussion protocol. So at one point you go, I got I to gotta make sure that Trevor knows what's up and not Trevor Goldilocks, Trevor Simeon. Did you see that game? I caught a uh, little bits and pieces. I kind of caught most of the conclusion of the game, but I was very shocked from the score because I really believe Tampa Bay was going to exercise those proverbial demons. And all of they did in the playoffs last year, because remember New Orleans swept Tampa Bay last year in yep. the regular season. Yep. And then ultimately the Buccaneers had the revenge game and they beat the Saints in in the playoffs mm -hmm. but tom brady doesn't forget and i he didn't forget about chicago he nope. stomped on chicago and remember chicago beat them last year mm -hmm. so he he remembers and i really believe they're gonna see they're gonna see each other twice but man dennis allen has the that defense prowling man they they he has them playing at a high level and it, it's almost like tampa bay always brings out the best defensively from New Orleans. And kudos to the Saints. What are they going to do now? We're going to find out what they're made of with Trevor Simeon. And they still have no Michael Thomas. He Let's, seems to be back on track, but the Saints are still going to be kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a force to be reckoned with. They're going to be absolutely. relevant. What's going to happen, I do not know. But We've talked about how the NFC is stacked. But at the, towards the bottom of that stack of relevancy, I think the Saints, the Saints, <laughs> the Saints, the, the Saints, the Saints yes. are still there. You, the you, you can't discount no Don Payne. Yeah. And what a morale Coaching matters to the locker room bringing Ingram back in. Did you Mark see Ingram. the video of uh, afterwards the press conferences, the partying, Jameis Winston dancing on crutches? <laughs> when you have a, a locker room that has a great morale. That goes a long way on the field. Now, right. can I, let me ask you this. You don't get Jameis back because he's done for the year. You have Taysom Hill, which I still don't believe he's a quarterback that can carry you through the playoffs. Gadget guy. He's a gadget guy. Absolutely. You have Trevor. Should you bring in Cam? No. Why not? <sighs> Nothing against Cam, but I think it's too far into the season for you to bring a new guy. Learn the playbook. Although Cam is a professional, he's not a rookie. He's been around the league for a while. But I think at this point, you roll with what you have. Uh, Trevor has knows the system. I'm sure he's been in the quarterback room. Eventually, you're going to bring in Taysom Hill's coming back. So you're going to incorporate him in some way, shape, or form into your game plan. Give go. So you roll with what you have. Let me ask you and, this. And that's it. Let me ask you this. The trade deadline ends tomorrow. Do you 
maybe if you're Sean Payton, think, all right, I know what Trevor is. And maybe he won that game because the Bucks didn't really account for Trevor playing. So there was no film on him. We still have about nine games left, right? Give or take. Do you trade for maybe someone like Marcus from Las Vegas? You know what I would do, man? This is going to blow your mind. I think I think Sean Payton brings back. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but I do. I do believe he brings Jameis Winston back, unless there's some kind of crazy trade that the Saints aim for. But they're not known as a team of that sort, right? Yep. Mickey Loomis is very conservative in in a way. Aside from the salary cap woes, <laughs> I believe. Not, 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 I believe what I would do is you're already comfortable with what you have. Go get Jordan Love. Not to play. Let me pick up not the pieces play. of my mind as they're scattered not across the proverbial blow. You bring him in. You bring him in. Not necessarily for the future. But you see now you have James to work with. Because, well, he's going to be shelved. But I say that he brings Jameis back because he's already invested two years into him. So I find it, uh, he, he might be back for another one-year contract. Yeah. Another prove-it deal. Yeah. You already have Taysom. Trevor, Trevor is very limited. But again, it's Sean Payton. Sean Payton is a quarterback guru. And you just bring Jordan Love. You bring Baker in? Baker? Yeah. Think Don't about you it, Baker. Not First off, the Saints, the Saints are in cap hell. No, no you're not going to so, trade so, for Baker. So, so they 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 can't they they can't uh, pull let's say like a Deshaun Watson trade. They they yes. can't do anything like that. But remember, Baker is trying to get a contract because this is his fifth year. So they didn't pick it up, or they're not. Go- I don't think they're going to pick it up. So now he becomes a, an unrestricted or a restricted free agent. One of those. Anyway, he becomes a free agent. You're telling me that there's going to be a market for Baker where they're going to pay him? Absolutely not. So, hey, Baker, come, come over here and prove it. Come over here and no, show us what I you don't got. Think, I don't think the Browns let him walk like that, man. I don't think the Browns have a I think choice. The Browns, I think the Browns don't pay him, but the Browns tell him. I don't, I don't know. I don't recall this, but maybe we can look this up. I'm not sure if Baker is in his fifth year option year or if this is the last year and the Browns have a choice of picking up the fifth year option. So that that's where I'm not too sure. He is right now in his fourth year. Okay. So they haven't picked up his fifth year option. No. It's optional. It's optional where they stand to. This year, okay, they're paying him $920,000. they have only paid him in the hundreds of thousands his first four years, including this year. In 2022, according to sporttrack.com, they are slated to pay him $18 million. Which is a bargain, bro. It's a bargain. And in 2023, he becomes uh, the, the unrestricted free agent. Unrestricted free agent. However, you can always franchise tag him. Well, that's an expensive franchise tag. So for if a you guy don't want to let him walk, 
Well, yeah, but would you rather franchise tag him or would you rather give him a big old contract being uneasy? I mean, I'd rather just take the hit 30, 40 mil for that year. But then you know what? Financially, I'm free from you. I guess I just don't want to experiment with Baker anymore. Lose the window of my defensive prowess. I think you're a a Baker fan, Yanko. I I am not a Baker fan. I think Baker is warm and fuzzy in your heart. I think I'm more Colin Baker. You stand than, more in Colin? Yeah, than, than you, Baker. Last game that we're going to talk about, Dallas versus Minnesota. It was it ended up being the Cooper to Cooper connection at the end, right? Cooper rush much. to Amari Cooper. And look, did I think that we were going to have a night where Dallas went into Minnesota and beat the Minnesota Vikings who have a great linebacking core, a decent secondary with an offense that has stars of its own with an offense that is Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Conklin as of late and Kirk cousins who look, he's basically Alex Smith 2.0, just more vocal. I think, but lo and behold, Cooper rush comes in. And does enough with a defense, and it pains me to say this, with a defense that is only going to get better. I mean, that was a great Cowboy victory. I'm not taking anything away from the Cowboys. No. Because they should have lost that game. Statistically. To me, it's a really, really... Bad Minnesota loss. Yeah. Everything had aligned for you to win that game. Yep. And Kirk Cousins in once again, that vaunted primetime game took another big Can't dump. win under the big lights. Another big dump. Minnesota has a great defense. Minnesota has a great running game. Minnesota has terrific complementary pieces at the receiver core. And I always circle back to the one constant factor, which is Kirk Cousins. How is it that Case Keenum, lightning in a bottle, I get it. Yeah. But how is it that Case Keenum took that team to an NFC championship game? Mm Mm-hmm. And Kirk Cousins has yet to do anything remotely in that regard. And even brighter lights, because he did it in the playoffs. At what point do you look at Mike Zimmer and go, yo, this is you? Because he's the one calling the offenses. You have Leslie. Is it is Leslie Frazier still there as the defensive coordinator? Or no, no Leslie Frazier was actually the head coach of the Minnesota That's Vikings. right. That's right. That's right. Look, fact of the matter is, is that there's no bigger gift than to play a team without their starting quarterback. Did Cooper Rush do a, do a good job? I mean, at one point, I thought we were going to see the Nooch come in. Dude, think of it. If Prescott plays that game, I know yeah. it's hypotheticals. Tell me how that game goes. Oh, my. That's a blowout. It's a blowout. It's a blowout. It's a blowout. And, and it's not an indictment on the on the – on the defense, on the Cowboys defense, because they were running all over the field 
they he they held Justin Jefferson and Thielen to a certain degree, although Thielen did have very key catches here and there. Yeah. But man, that is an ugly Minnesota loss. It's, it's it really terrible. is. That's terrible. It's really However, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Think about it this way. They couldn't stop the defensive line from pressuring Kirk Cousins from stopping, or they did stop to a degree. Dalvin Cook, and they don't even have Demarcus Lawrence back yet. Trayvon Diggs was getting burned left and right on crossers. However, they still couldn't capitalize on it, and that's Kirk. That's Kirk not capitalizing on those throws. He ended up getting a sprained ankle, and I don't know how long he's going to be out, if anything. But with Dak not playing, all you had to do was contain the run or stop the pass. Which one's easier? To me, it stopped the pass because if you saw the game, you even had Cooper in and out of the of the lineup. You had Cedric Wilson burn you, a guy who's fourth because when Gallup in the chart, because when Gallup comes back, you're now adding to what is looking to be a great wide receiver core. Now, let me say this. Do you still think that Cooper is a wide receiver one explosive, great that's the guy you depend on or is he a a number two in this case to cd where do you, is, is he your number one still or is he your number two and that's a good question because he, he it, came in at it, the end and made the catch it seems it seems that cooper is your number one and cd is your number two is that going to change with time perhaps uh, CD might uh, overtake him as a number one. Because if you notice, too, CD had a key drop. Yeah, it was a third down. That could have affected the I game. Think he heard, I think he heard footsteps because Kendrick was maybe approaching. He was waiting and waiting for him. And so that's maybe, I think Lamb is more explosive than Cooper. But maybe at this particular juncture uh, in the game, Mike Cooper might be that go-to person. I think at this point, Cooper is relying more on his skills. The one thing that Cooper has always had ever since he was in Oakland was he's always had crisp route running. Yeah. He's always been a, a great route runner. So he might be the guy you depend on in crucial situations, which is exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, look at the catch he made off the, that juggling oh, circus yeah. catch. I was going to say this, Yanko. Say it. The whole game can be highlighted on one specific play. Can I guess which one you're going to say? Go for it. Was it the Zeke play? Yes. Mm -hmm. That was just crazy, man. Mm -hmm. That was just, you know what? I have more desire to win this game, and there's nothing you can do that's going to stop me. And kudos to Zeke, because I know Zeke had come uh, down a lot of fire uh, was he committed? Was he the same Zeke the, ever since he got paid this, that, and the other, a lot of people want to see Tony Pollard more injected into the offense. He was more explosive and Zeke has come alive. Yeah. And that specific play was just that she, that sheer desire of, you know what, dude, I'm going to get this. And there ain't a damn thing that you can do for me to get to that first down. That was sheer will. Absolutely. Now think Crazy. about it. You have in your on your wide receivers and your running backs, 
two guys on each at each position that complement each other. CD and Tony Pollard are, are your explosive guys at their respective positions. And Cooper with Elliott are your power guys, your playmakers at their respective positions. You heard it here. You're probably hearing it all over the airwaves. If it's social media or whatever podcasts or other places you, you listen to, the Cowboys are top tier NFC. And this is a window. The last time I remember them being this good was the year that Romo and Dez went to Green Bay and didn't get that catch. This is one of those years that they need to capture that lightning in a bottle and win. Did you see the Cowboys' remaining season, the remaining games? No. They could run the table, bro. They could? Check it out. Let's see. So the Cowboys. It's pretty crazy. The Cowboys now have. We know they play in a sorry East division. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a given. All right. So remaining. That, hey. they've, mm-hmm. they've now won every game since week one. Okay. Correct. Now they have the Broncos on Sunday. Correct. They have the Falcons. And then they have the Chiefs. They have the Raiders. The Saints. Washington. The Giants. Washington, Arizona, Eagles, Steelers, Arizona. Oh, wait, I already went into next year. Sorry. They end with the Eagles. So they the end only with the teams, Eagles. The, they end with the Eagles. The only teams that so stand out to me So potential teams go right ahead. The only teams that stand out to me here are the Chiefs, if One. they can get their crap together. The Raiders, because I'm a fan. Who? But there's something to say that how they've been playing. The Saints, if Trevor can hold up, and the Cardinals. Four. Four games for the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Gosh. This is their this is their year. This has this to be is their year, bro. This has to be the their only year. thing that is not in their favor. Well, it is in their favor that they play in a very sorry division, so they're going to get a home game. Where the seeding lands is completely up to them. They could potentially win out. Yeah. They can. They yeah. have that offense that they can win out. And, yes, I do agree with those four potential uh, teams that can disrupt or can maybe go toe-to-toe versus the Cowboys. However, the only thing that is not in their favor is the fact of how the top tier of the NFC right now is. Yeah, man. You have the Rams. We already discussed them. Yep. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have the Green Bay Packers. You have the Arizona Cardinals, which are gonna, you're going to play. Mm-hmm. And for some reason now, you're starting to see the Saints. Well, not yeah. for some reason now, but the yeah. Saints are not going away. Yeah. So... If, if they would be in the AFC, then I would be like, bro, man, you can probably, people, Cowboy fans, start getting your tickets right now for SoFi because yeah. you guys are going to be there. Yeah. But the fact that they play in an NFC side where it's very top heavy, it's not to say they can't beat those teams. No, because no. They, I believe they have the offensive personnel and the defensive personnel. 
at the end of the day, I think the only thing that can get into the Cowboys ways is the Cowboys because they're allergic to prosperity and two, Mike McCarthy. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's everything else that Mike McCarthy should does horribly wrong. Clock management and special and e. teams decisions. Well, that too. Oh. Special teams decisions and clock management will be and is their Achilles heel. Well, but Wouldn't they be- can win. They can perhaps win in spite of that. Wouldn't it be crazy to have the Packers back at AT&T on a playoff game? That would be pretty crazy. But, again, it's all going to come down to seeding. That's what it's all going to come down to. Yep. The Rams, the Rams have a tougher stretch because they play the NFC West. Yeah. They're going to face Arizona again, which Arizona shellacked them. Mm-hmm. They're going to face the, the Seahawks and they're going to face the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And so there, the Rams and the Cardinals are going to cancel each other out. Green Bay. I haven't seen Green Bay. I know Green Bay's playing KC next week. I haven't really seen Green Bay's remaining schedule but they do play the NFC North. Now I'm not saying that it's a gimme, but green Bay has owned the NFC North for such a long time. It's crazy because according to power rankings, all right, in the NFL, as of today on NFL.com after the saints, the next strongest NFC team are the Panthers statistically. So there's a, there's a, there's a pretty significant drop huge in the NFC. Huge. There could be, there could potentially be an AFC team that maybe has ten wins in their resume and doesn't get in as a wild yeah. card. Might be left out. Yep. However, you're going to get probably a mediocre or a subpar team in the NFC. Maybe even a couple of them sneak in to the wild card. And that's not accounting that any of these powerhouse NFC teams don't have a hiccup against other division rivals, right? You mentioned the right. NFC West, but the Eagles all some tend to play hard. The Washington football team tends to play hard. The You still have the Buccaneers and the Saints going at it. I mean, there's still a lot to say. However, I'm not saying when I let me clarify something before I start getting the people who I know listen to this podcast and know that I don't really like the Cowboys, but then they themselves are Cowboys fans. I'm not saying that this is their year to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying that this is their year that they need to take advantage of what they have in front of them because that window won't stay open for long. Lightning in a bottle, bro. Lightning in a bottle. They have to. They got to catch it. They absolutely have to. I don't think Amari has many time, has too much time as a top tier receiver in the league anymore. The the way you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice eventually, which you probably are. But you're going to have to pick up the fifth year option of CD, and you're going to have to pay CD. Yeah, absolutely. And all those wonderful players that you have drafted. Here comes Diggs. Mm-hmm. My, I know Micah is in his rookie contract, but your eventually you're going to pay him your offensive line. What are you going to do with other defensive key? I mean, the Cowboys, kudos to them. They've hit on their draft picks. Mm-hmm. They've drafted One of the very, very well. Few teams, yeah. They've drafted very well, and they've been able to, you know, highlight and pick good free agents to solidify that team. You're going to pay Dak Prescott. I mean, you paid him, but the way that contract is structured, it there's you it's going to eat up more, right, yeah. of the salary. So. To me, I agree with you. Uh, we don't always agree, but I do agree that I honestly think, man, it's the Cowboys' time to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they have. They, it, this it, has to. They be have it. to. Everything's aligning for them. They have a great defense. They have addressed that need. They got Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn's personnel is working. 
the offense is is one of the most prolific right now. They they have Kellen Moore. Who's to say Kellen Moore is, is a hot coaching commodity yeah. and is there next year? He yep. might get a head coaching position of how resilient he's done. Any head coaching job in college right now. And what's going to happen? You're going to leave that to Mike McCarthy, bro? No. I, There's something to say about the relationship that Kellen Moore has with Dak. They came up together. Unless, they- unless... Jerry Jones recognizes greatness and maybe he does not let the Sean Payton thing happen again. Cause you remember mm-hmm. Sean Payton was a hot assistant and he let him, him and Mike Zimmer, they were both yeah. under the Cowboys coaching staff mm-hmm. and he let him walk. So who's to say, maybe if he says, you know what, Kellen stay, I'll figure something out. I'll, I'll promise you the keys to this team. When I decide to get rid of or let go of Mike McCarthy, there's like, a lot of different uh, variables, man. There's a bunch of different variables. Kind of like but, a, what? Uh, what's the the offensive coordinator in New England that was Josh McDaniels, like Josh McDaniels, kind of that. But that's that's the week in itself right now. The Giants just tied the Chiefs uh, on a fourth and goal uh, to Rudolph. So let's see what happens. We're cheering for the Giants, aren't we, Josh? That is correct. All right, so let's just touch base on a couple of more NFL things before we ch- jump into fantasy football, and we're going to speed things up a bit because we've had plenty to talk about uh, in the NFL. So Steelers defense, something to reckon with. Steelers defense definitely will keep them in contention uh, for some of these late games and the second half of the season. Sunday was the day of the QB backup. Mike White, Trevor Simeon. Who else am I missing? Uh, Cooper Rush. And, Rush. Uh, anyway. and Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Thank you. The Saints defense is also someone to reckon with as we see as they have to maybe carry the load for a while while Trevor gets acclimated. We have the trade deadline coming up. And do you think there's any big names or anything that happens trade deadline wise before uh, it's all said and done and the trade window expires? No, nah, man, I think there might be a couple of plug-in players to fill injury needs and perhaps uh, kind of disgruntled players perhaps that want to be dealt out, like an example, Mac, uh, Deshaun Jackson. I don't know if he was released or if he was asked to be traded. Players like that, you know, that are or second, third-tier players. The only other one that I can think of would be, uh, uh, what do you call it, Deshaun Watson. But I don't really think he's going to be dealt. This year. But we don't know. We really don't know. There might be a team that kind of goes all in. I really don't think outside of that, there's going to be any anything crazy. But we never know. A couple of names to keep up with until the expiration of the trade deadline tomorrow. According to BR Gridiron, it's Allen Robinson to the Patriots. Do- running back Ronald Jones II, maybe to the Ravens. Xavier Howard to the Seahawks, Odell Beckham to an NFC contender, except the Cowboys, and our boy, Cleveland Farrell, finds a suitor somewhere in the NFL, which would be great because we could use that pickback or at least some kind of... I wouldn't mind seeing Odell in Green Bay, man. I think that would that be That would like... be insane. Woo! You just need a guy to take the top off and to compliment Devontae. Because I really don't think the Browns are going to... Uh... Trade him to an NFC NFC team. And Mahomes almost gets picked off again. Uh, Russell Wilson news. The pin that was placed inside his finger, the one he got surgery on, has been removed. And 
to quote him on a social media post. He said, remove the pin to win. So let's see when he comes back. And that's Russell Wilson is always a force to reckon with. Uh, We already talked about in length, the Cowboys, Baker in Cleveland. We already talked about trades. Uh, Dak is apparently and should be a go for week nine. And what better way than to play against a team that shouldn't give you uh, much of competition against Denver and then following uh, with Atlanta. They play it, at Denver or they play I think here they play at Denver or oh, they play at, uh, they play at AT&T, AT&T and then they, they two, they have two home games. Atlanta Denver, and Denver. Uh-huh. And then those are the two games that I think he'll use as a, to retool, to re uh, calibrate as a quarterback. We already talked about power rankings and this is what it looks like. Number one, Arizona, according to NFL.com. Number two, Green Bay. Number three, Los Angeles Rams. Dallas, Tampa, Tennessee. As of now, because we haven't seen the Derrick Henry effect yet. Baltimore, Buffalo, Las Vegas. And that's your first top 10. Las Vegas was on the bye. Uh, they have the Giants this week in the Meadowlands or that area. That's a trap game in itself. Hopefully the Raiders come up and take that game as they Let's should. Hope. As they should. Let's hope. Calf injuries. Have you seen how many calf injuries have riddled the NFL this year? I'm Dak sure there's Prescott, been a lot. Debo Samuel, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Rashad Penny, Trent Brown, Eric McCoy, Evan Ingram, Xavier Rhodes, Star Latulale, and Richie Incognito, which if you've read the forums for the Raiders, have you seen that? His return is now potentially going to be extended from coming back. That hurts, but we need Richie. Richie, come back. Fantasy. Let's get to fantasy as we wind down for this week's podcast. And fantasy, as you guys remember, and I, I don't blame you for forgetting, Adrian will do Chuko, just a quick synopsis. And I'm going to jump into the FFF as a quick synopsis as what has happened, what is going to happen, and what that looks like moving forward for the FFF. Currently, yours truly, as predicted, is getting spanked by Gronky Kong. Austin Whitebeards, I think, is probably the surprise team right now, although CD Goats hasn't been doing well in itself. But uh, they're beating CD Goats 138 to 67. Master Deflator, you're taking care of business in a family affair against Healthy Dynamic. Los Chicharitos and Los Osos. Uh, uh, let me click on, do it. Is there anything happening on with them? And that one's pretty much a done deal. It's also, up. Yeah, that one's pretty much a done deal with Los Chicharitos taking that uh, against Los Osos. Uh, the 52ers uh, over LA Lambs. Bear Force One over Los Mireyes. Fly Eagles Fly against Hall of Lame, which seems to be one of the uh, games that was at the bottom of the standings. But nevertheless, it looks like Fly Eagles Fly is going to take that. And then COVID-49 taking care of business, what it looks like as of now uh, against Máquina de Fuego. This was a, a week that I think needed to happen for some teams to either have a chance for fantasy football playoffs or to start defining who is out. And let me uh, start waving my hand. Goodbye. At the uh, playoffs, 
as Yankel, my goal. That's exactly what happens when you trade Darren Waller. Dude, okay. Hold as your on. first pick, bro. Ho- hold on. Hold on. I trade first to pick. Say, bro. First pick, too much? Probably. Trading him has been better for me because Gasecki has been better than Waller fantasy wise as of late. Anywho, my goal right now is to not wear the the ever so avoidable pink shirt of the FFF and just going to wear our beloved pink shirt this year. I don't think so. There's I'm dun, gonna, dun, dun. and again, hey, Bear Force One, you can take Calvin Ridley and put him where you know where and trying to get him from me. That I am sucks, desperate, bro. but not that desperate. There was a huge trade that happened in uh, Chuko involving Calvin Ridley, bro. Tell, no, let's go to the let's go to Chuko. Okay. Take it over. So let's let's make segue. Okay, let's make segue to to Chuko. And before I dive in, let me tell you about this trade, bro. Um, it was kind of crazy. I understand why both managers did it. It's not necessarily an indictment on it, but let me illustrate it. Los Chicharitos had Julio Jones, Chase Edmonds, and Calvin Ridley. And he traded those pieces to the Super Bowl champ of last year, Apex Predator, for Tyreek Hill and Eli Mitchell. So With everything. Got, he took, he got Tyreek. Tyreek and Eli Mitchell. Gosh. If you're Apex Predators, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> you probably have diarrhea, bro. And not only that, it, 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 unfortunately, it gets worse for him. Because, and again, this is not an indictment on the owner, on the manager. It's just, it just kind of goes to show you how sometimes stuff like this happens. Like, it sucks. And when it sucks, it really sucks. So he pulled another trade, right? Uh-huh. And this time, it's a little better. But... He traded away George Kittle to Los Chicharitos, and he got in return Tyler Higby and Daryl Williams. And he was banking on Robert Tanyan being there. And what happened to Robert Tanyan? He's out. He got injured. Yeah. Torn ACL. Anyways, that was was the the crazy trade that occurred. Uh, Currently, as we sit here, um, we have SF Dad going up against Chicagones. SF that is four and three. Chicagones is five and two. Chicagones takes care of business. SF that has a kicker left. He wins 154 to 122. Chicagones will improve to six and two. SF that falls to four and four. Los Chicharitos, this was a really good game versus Neon Ninjas. Currently, Los Chicharitos sits at five and two. Neon Ninjas also at five and two. Neon Ninjas lost his first two games and has won five straight. Oh. And it looks like it's going to come to an end, Neon Ninjas being the co-commissioner, because as it stands right now, Chicharitos is winning 98 to 85, and Chicharitos still has Daniel Jones and, and Tyreek Hill playing as right now. Who just scored. So, yeah. <laughs> so Chicharitos will improve to 6-2. and two. Neon Ninjas takes an L. He'll fall to 5-3. and three. Uh, Los Osos standing currently at 3-4 and four versus Healthy Dynamic at 4-3. and three. This is still a nip and tub game because we're currently right now Los Osos is winning 116 over 104. However, Freddie has Travis Kelsey playing right now. Oh. And we know how that can go. Yep. So he's down 12 points. So if Kelsey gives him 12 points, healthy dynamic improves or he wins. 
But currently right now, Los Osos three and four, healthy dynamic four and three, it's still up in the air because it's murky. So it's it's going to be a good game to see down the wire. Uh, Los Papis, or should I say the Papis, because that's how he has it here. He's a three and four. America's big D team uh, is four and three. And this kind of seems that it's wrapped up, but not really, because Los Papis uh, has Evan Ingram playing, and he's down seven points. And America's big D has uh, Butker playing. So still up in the air, man. That's going to come down to the wire, too. Uh, a game that just wrapped up right now. Uh, Blazing Colts at 3-4 and four handles last year's champ Apex Predator at 129-119. to 119. Rafa improves to 4-4. Four and four. Apex falls to 3-5. and five. And what we call the toilet bowl game of the week. Oh? Yours truly, Los Piratones uh, versus Mean Machine. Piratones is 1-6. Mean Machine. And Mean Machine is two and five. Well, Los Piratones finally wins it. Uh, wins 92-74. All games, all players have already played. So Piratones improves to two and six. Mean Machine falls to two and six. Uh, currently, right now, obviously, the standings are still murky. But if playoffs were to start today, Yanko, today, Chicharito sits at top, uh, followed by Neon Ninjas, followed by Chicagones, followed by America's Big D. Healthy dynamic at number five and wrapping up the last coveted playoff spot, SF Dad. However, these standings will change based on these results. And we shall see how all of this unfolds. That, my friend, was the report for Chuko League. That sounds like an interesting league too, but I wouldn't know about it. Anyway, so. <laughs> so salty. <laughs> Uh, interesting fun facts to kind of round up our podcast today. Did you know that Cooper Cup is the first player in the Super Bowl era with 900 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns through the first eight games? He is on pace, and you're the owner of him in fantasy. He is on pace for 133 receptions, 1,900 yards, and 21 touchdowns. So what does that mean? Well, that means that as of last year, Cooper Cup totally Fantasy points had 213. Cooper Cup fantasy points as of now, 208. And it's only week eight. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. What a difference Goff to Stafford makes. Quarterback, bro. Another interesting factoid. Did you, do you know what the, the Texans record is? Wins and losses since getting rid of D-Hop? Enlighten me. Five and 19. Five and 19. And Good let's for not D-Hop, forget, man. Yeah. Good for absolutely. D-Hop. Absolutely. And let's not forget what Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Rodgers. Rodgers. What Aaron Rodgers did. He was, in down, he was down wide receiver one. His wide receiver two. His wide receiver three. Totaling 11 starters on the road. A six and a half point underdog. Versus the last undefeated team. This is the John Wick of the NFL. He is a bad man. And you play Madden. I do. Right? Here's, here's something that's crazy. Because as of week seven, the ratings updates, even though he was injured, Russell Wilson went up one point with a 95 overall. 
Lamar Jackson went down a point to a 92 overall. Julio Jones went down three points to a 91 overall. Marlon Humphrey, after getting scorched by the... No, he didn't get scorched. No, yeah, he did. Yeah. 91 overall, went down a point. Kyler Murray went up one point. Not in height. Madden rating. 88 overall. Our boy Max Crosby went up to an 86 overall, going up one point. Debo Samuel went up two points. Derek Carr went up two points. How? He is not rated higher this year. Anyway, I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole. Kyle Pitts went up over one. And then Odell Beckham, I think this should be even lower, has lost three. Has he still rated at 85? Interesting factoid to note. However, Josh, have you heard of the Winds of Change? Yes. I heard that damn song every Every freaking weekend. So, yes. A story to tell maybe for the next podcast. I'm very familiar with it. But with the winds of change also comes the seasons of change. The autumn wind is a... You recognize this song? Yep. Blustering in from sea. For those who don't know, with a rollicking song, he sweeps along about what the song is. His face is weather beaten. It's the basically the anthem for the Raiders. The autumn wind goes hand in hand with the mystical history and the mystique, not mystical, the mystique of the Raiders. And with the winds of change come the autumn winds and the winds of change also bring a change to a name. You know, did you know that the names of stadiums change every so often, right? Yes, different sponsors. Different sponsors, different things. So a little bit of a foreshadow to what's to come to this podcast as winds of change in the autumn are coming to this podcast. Josh, it was great to see you again. It was great to have you and you to have me on this podcast as one. <laughs> as a symbiote. We, as a symbiote, exactly. I look forward to next week. Make your picks. Look at the waiver wires. And as always, signing off, Josh and Yenko on this podcast. Josh? Mm-hmm. Peace.